Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and uh, international in- inspirational speaker, um, founder of Journey to Success Radio. And uh, you can find out more about me and the show at the uh, radio website, which is journeytosuccessradio.com. I'm excited about our guest today. Uh, our guest is going to be a co author of. Journeys to Success, Napoleon Hill Inspired Stories, Millennials Edition, uh, which is being uh, managed and put together by my amazing friend Brad Zalas. Sonia Jamil graduated with a bachelor's in marketing, a minor in sales, and a certificate in entrepreneurship from the University of Houston. Wow, that's very cool. Uh, After graduation, she joined her family's preschool business as a franchisee for Kids Our Kids. She owns and operates three preschools in Katy, Texas, which is where the startup Bumble Brain Box was conceived and helped her family launch the Kids Our Kids franchise in China. She also runs a business blog called uh, How Great People Think. H-O-W-G-R-8-P-P-L, Think, which chronicles her small business and startup journey. Uh, Welcome to the show today, Sonia. Uh, Hi, Sean. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited about this. Wow. Everything that I've I've seen and read about you has been all aligned with all the things that I'm passionate about, so I'm super excited to have this conversation. Amazing. Thank you so much. And wow, I'm so intrigued about a minor in sales and a certificate in entrepreneurship. Like, wow, where do you get those? Because a certificate in entrepreneurship should be in every university as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and it was a really interesting uh, place to be able to do it at the University of Houston because while I was there, not only was the sales program I was part of the number one sales program in the country, um, also the entrepreneurship program that I got the certification from was also the number one in the country at that time, which a lot of people don't know about University of Houston. Wow, people flock to University of Houston because uh, entrepreneurship is where it's going to be at in the future. And uh, it'd be amazing to have a degree or a certificate in entrepreneurship from a university. Amazing. So I'm excited. Exactly. To, I'm excited to read your chapter in uh, Journeys to Success uh, Millennials Edition. And uh, uh, with the group of people we got, it's uh, almost sure to become an Amazon number one best-selling book. So let's find a little bit uh, uh, more about yourself and uh, uh, what makes you so passionate. So. Let's talk about uh, personal development, self-development. Uh, I'm, a, as you know, a big proponent of personal development. Uh, I read about one book a week. I watch all kinds of videos, listens to audio. And so talk about the importance of personal development, because I believe if we're not getting better as a person every day, then we're actually falling behind uh, in whatever 
chosen occupation we have. Yeah, I'm sure that there are several people out there who don't believe in all the books and all the motivational help and all of that. All I can speak for is the immense difference that it has made in my life. So I would say that um, up until my senior year in college, I was actually a fiction writer. Everything I read was fiction. Everything I wrote was fiction. And then I'm not sure what happened. All of a sudden, I just picked up my first self-help book, which was uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And every single aspect of my life changed after that. So um, it's also, you know, uh, it's, it's, it goes more into detail in my, my chapter in the book, but essentially I was in a very, very um, uh, emotionally controlling relationship. And uh, when I started reading self-help is when I realized that I haven't taken responsibility for my life. I allow others to tell me what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And so I kind of regained independence as a result of starting to read self-help literature and really defining, okay, who am I? What do I want? Not what do other people want of me? And from that point, um, since that, okay, so that was senior year of college. Um, so that was when I decided I'm moving out on my own. I'm breaking off a seven-year relationship and since then have uh, basically now run four businesses and helped launch a franchise internationally as well too. So, and two blogs. And that was all a result of being able to define what I want and how to get there through reading self-help. Wow, wow. And launching a business in China, amazing. And so it's amazing how, as you and I both know, reading personal development in many different areas or all areas of our life, it will change your life. And, uh, you know, people spend a lot of time watching TV. Uh, also, there's statistics or studies that show to that uh, 90, I think it's, no, 80% of our 50 to 60,000 thoughts on a daily basis are negative, and 80% of those negative thoughts are repetitive. And the only way, or one of the best ways to eliminate that negativity in our brain is to continually fuel it with powerful stories from great people that encourage us to be able to do what we want to do. And we all have a, a, our own purpose in life. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, when you read like that, you are able to find and discover and pursue your purpose. And so amazing. Now, another question that's really interesting. Let's get into this one because uh, it would be interesting for people. Uh, you've had to overcome racism and stereotypes as a female Muslim entrepreneur. And I don't know if it's just from the Muslim community, but, you know, I imagine the way things are in this day and age that uh, nutty people uh, or people who really aren't thinking straight or have racism stereotypes of Muslims. And so talk about having to overcome that uh, the, that racism, racism and stereotypes to be a female Muslim entrepreneur because it's not a huge community of female Muslim entrepreneurs, I imagine. It, 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 that's actually where I, uh, what I realized myself is we've got so many inspiring entrepreneurs, but how many um, can you say are, you know, like the, like can, if I said to name one prominent, iconic Muslim female entrepreneur, actually, especially in, in America, I really can't even think of one. I'll have to dig deeper into it. And so I realized there was a need for, for someone to, to, to be the symbol of strength in entrepreneurship and success and overturn 
this stereotype of these oppressed women who are just, you know, not mm-hmm. able to do anything or any or go anywhere or do anything. So that for me has become a personal mission. Um, and especially because if you take a snapshot of today's political situation um, and the fear mongering that's happening um, through the media, well, there's, there's, there's really never been a time where Muslims have had a, a worse rep than there is now. Right. Um, and I think there are certain politicians that are capitalizing on that too. <laughs> right. So especially through um, my social media presences and my writing as well, I try to prove that Muslims are just like everyone else. Uh, and I do a lot of, stuff, you know, my business is also a social enterprise. So doing this, uh, tying in some, some, uh, to, I guess, promote education in other countries. Mm-hmm. Because I think I think this all comes down to people not knowing, people not from both sides, whether it be the Western world or the Eastern world. You know, the Eastern world is lacking the education, and then that's where corruption begins is when they are brainwashed and said terrible things about the Western world. And the same thing happens in the Western world when they don't have the education about the Eastern world. Right. And it becomes a you versus me, and really it's an us, and that just comes down to education. Right. And so... Um, the whole, I guess, situation right now with Muslims, with Muslim entrepreneurs, with all of this, it's it's so much larger than what we could possibly go over right now in one conversation. All I know is that I, I will never forget my first job interview ever. Um, I don't currently wear the hijab, but I was wearing a hijab before, so that's the headscarf, and I walked into the interview. First first, um, first interview I've ever had in my life. The, the guy took one look at me. He sat down for one minute, and he says, okay, we're done. Oh, and so I will never, ever forget that moment, and I think that has fueled a lot since then as well. Wow, that... That is disgusting. Imagine that people are like that. And uh, just for the record, let me state, I had an amazing conversation with a co-worker a few years ago when I was working, and uh, Muslim, and as he explained, the people that we are concerned about, terrorists, are not Muslims. They're nutcases. You know, and you don't often hear if some other guy goes, shoots up a school, you don't hear the media starting with, well, a Christian terrorist bombed or shot or whatever. And so it's a great distinction that uh, we shouldn't be writing a Muslim terrorist because they're not Muslim. They're just terrorists. Exactly. And if you see the greatest victim of ISIS are Muslims. Right, that's what he told me. That's what he told me. That's what uh, more people, more Muslims die than Christians in their terror attacks. Um, I even read some accounts of like captives and stuff, and they said that there was very strange because while they were held captive, um, they could tell immediately that their their captors didn't know anything about the religion. They didn't even have a Quran. They didn't even pray. I mean, basically. It's what really, I guess, what I've looked into, and I can't confirm, obviously I'm not like in the government, I don't know all the details, but truly what happens, I think, is that these terrible, terrible terrorists go into populations that are un- undereducated, and they brainwash them. Right. And that's really, and these are not Muslims. They are fed this, this 
distorted version of, gosh, I mean, taking verses out of context, putting things together, making this really, basically, if you look at all the practices of terrorism, it actually is 100% everything that the religion is against. Mm -hmm. So that is what I'd like to continue to tell people over and over and over again. Um, there is a lot of misunderstanding of the of the religion, of, of this whole um, larger issue of terrorism. And really, it's going to take a lot of the Muslims now in the modern day world to overturn that and overcome that and stand up and say, hey, we are going to make a difference in the world and you're going to take notice of it. Amen. Well, um, I would dare say as a Christian that it's up to Christians as well to recognize that terrorists are not their religion because no religion teaches what terrorists do. And so stop mentioning what their religion is when there's a terrorist because it is not the religion it is uh, just a terrorist and so even as christians thank you even, for that even as christians uh, who can be enormously judgmental we need to really step back and say hey this is not someone from that religion this is just a terrorist because the religion doesn't actually practice or preach what they're doing so amazing now what about uh um, prejudice among the Muslim community do men sometimes ignore or put down a, a female Muslim entrepreneur how do female Muslims react when they hear like wow you're an entrepreneur very cool I think there's a growing movement of Muslim female entrepreneurs I think um uh, and, and I don't think it even has to do with the fact that we're Muslim. I think there's just a growing movement of female entrepreneurs altogether. Right. And I personally um, have been in, I have been in both sides of the fence. I was in once, like I mentioned, I was in a, in a relationship where I was put down constantly. Um, my dreams, my goals were constantly put on the back burner. Um, and now I'm happily married to someone who promotes my business 150%. In fact, he does everything he can to make sure my goals and my dreams are a success, often even before his. So that being said, I don't think it comes down to Muslim men or Pakistani men or anything of that sort. It just comes down to men and humans and the differences in between them and the differences between women and, 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 and just, just the human aspect of that. So I've experienced both. I've experienced encouragement and discouragement um, from people of the same religion. And I'm really blessed to be in a family that's very entrepreneurial. My dad is an entrepreneur, um, raised me from day one to say, hey, you're going to work on your own and I'm going to teach you exactly what you need to do. So um, I, I guess my exposure to the world of entrepreneurship, it may be very different um, than what others have experienced. But I'm excited to see what the future holds. I, I truly am. Um, especially social media and the internet and what that's going to allow um, entrepreneurs from all over the world to do. And it's funny because, you know, I'm reading, um, as, I, as, I'm, as, I, as I blog and I, as, I, as I build up my own social media presences, I am noticing that some of my biggest following, and not just mine because I looked up other people's accounts as well, people who weren't Pakistani or Muslim, just in general, some of the biggest followers of self-help and business advice are people from the Middle East and Asia. I've wow. consistently noticed that. So I'm sure there's a buzzing movement on that side of the world uh, toward entrepreneurship because I see that those are my most avid followers and the most avid followers of a lot of self-help and business, um, I guess, leaders in the community. Right. And, 
I totally agree. Uh, my website attracts visits from over 130 countries uh, every month, and those countries and continents you mentioned are the top visitors. And so there must be a, a, a thirst for entrepreneurism, small business, and uh, continents and countries we might not even think of as being interested in that sort of thing. Uh, before, uh, this one isn't a question that we talked about before, but you mentioned your husband. And if you've read Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill writes that the greatest mastermind partnership is between a husband and a wife. And he mentioned Andrew, uh, no, sorry, he mentioned uh, Henry Ford and Thomas Edison specifically every time he wrote about that. And in my own case, uh, my wife's not into the same industry I'm in, but she does everything around our house and for us. And so I get to devote a ton of my time to pursuing my purpose. And so, you know, that's the best kind of mastermind partnership when, as you had mentioned, your spouse is behind what you do and does whatever they can to make sure you're spending as much time pursuing your purpose as you can. That's been the biggest change in my life, honestly. When I met my husband, everything changed for the better. The positive of my life, like three or four years ago till now, it doesn't seem like the same person. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful partnership in, in a couple of different ways. One, we just launched our first business together, which is the Bumble Brain Box, um, which is a monthly subscription, an educational subscription for newborns, infants, and toddlers. So we launched it together. Um, I am very, I would say, um, abstract thinker, very artistic, very big picture, and he's very detailed. And he's very scientific. So it truly is the best of both worlds, even doing this business, because the way I think is so artistic and so big, and then he narrows it down and says, okay, how are we really going to make this happen? And so it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, in fact, yesterday we were um, setting up um, some more stuff in our office, and I'm just like throwing things around because that's how I am. I'm just really messy and creative and artistic. And he's like, I'm going to put them all in boxes. And I just looked at him and I said, I absolutely love you. Because that's my biggest weakness is making sure the space is organized. Because if you even pull up my desktop computer, I've got screenshots of a thousand things. And that truly is how my brain looks. Right. And he's going in and then he's putting everything in nice and neat little folders and organizing and labeling and tabbing. And I'm like, this this is great. So truly, I, I am so blessed. Uh, I have like my, again, the two men in my life, my father and my husband are the biggest supporters I could have ever ever asked for in life and i i really would be absolutely nothing without them amen let's talk about uh one of your passions one of your business uh, your family business um i have known um uh, young people that attend early childhood education schools i know a number of people who are teachers at early education schools talk about how important that is because those first five years before they even hit school, that's like 80% of their character, I believe, or what they believe or what they know of the statistic, world. Developed. Yeah, the statistic is 90% of brain development happens between zero to five. So think about that for a second. Like when I, I, I really ask people to let that sink in from kindergarten to death. That's 10%, okay? Right. That being said... Like 90% of development 
up to 90% happens between zero to five, okay? And this is a statistic that reappears over and over and over, and I made sure to get it confirmed from several doctors too before putting it out there. But that being said, kindergarten, at least in Texas, starts at five years old. I don't know about the rest of the country, but if kindergarten starts at five, then what happens between zero to five? We're letting the 90% of brain development just go off and whoever wants to do whatever can do whatever. I mean, it's literally so scary when you start to think about it that all of our resources are put into education after preschool, but early childhood education is where most of our character, our personality, our brain, the pathways to our future are created. Um, even in psychology, they'll say, you know, whenever there's some kind of issue that's deeply rooted, they'll, they'll go back into your childhood and they'll really try to find right. links for that. So that's what inspired Bumble Brain Box for me because I realized, look, there is this issue, right, that oftentimes parents do not have the time, the resources, or the expertise to properly develop their child's brain. That concerned me. And then also, even if you take your child to a preschool, I know how I run my preschools. I can't say that about every other school. I know how hard we work at ours to make it the top schools in the country. But what if you have a school that's just running bare minimum standards or worse than that? Okay? That means you're interesting children with 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 the with employees that tend to be um on the lower end of getting paid as well too Mm -hmm. um lower compensated employees um and if for example they are not trained or are passionate about what they're doing well then what's happening is your child is not getting what they properly need so you you know whether or not you go to daycare whether you have a nanny a lot of nannies are just babysitters a lot of daycares are just babysitting a lot of preschools are just babysitting and i can i can see even in my school where i am so curriculum based from start to finish of the day i can still see the difference between the kids who have parental involvement and the kids that don't have parental involvement without even doing an assessment i can kind of go and walk in do one activity with them and tell you which children have parental involvement at home because it's that stark of a difference. <laughs> and so that's why we created um, the Bumble Brain Box, which is for kids zero to three. And it's a monthly subscription. It's a monthly box that comes. It's basically like I would say a preschool in a box, a curriculum in a box. It comes to your house um, every month. Um, when you break it down, it's just $5 a week. And what it includes is five activity cards, one for social development, emotional, physical, cognitive, and auditory skills. So we target each of those areas. There's challenge activities. So let's say you get the newborn box, you're going to get infant-level challenge activities, so five of those per box. Then you're going to get all the supplies that you need for that activity, so anywhere between seven to ten full-size supplies or toys and things of that sort. And then finally, you're also going to get um, a book that goes deeper into the science behind each activity. It's really bite-sized. It takes probably like 20 minutes to read. And then also... Anyone, at least for our first 1,000 subscribers, we're doing um, unlimited email access to Dr. Christie herself, the writer of the curriculum. And she's got degrees in child psychology, medicine, nutrition, dentistry, and an MBA. She's got five degrees and five kids. And basically, it's ready to be anyone's guide. So if you, for example, let's say your child has autism or your child has ADD or your child has a speech delay or something, you're able to then talk to her to be unlimited via email as well too for added support to help customize the um, activities 
at home even more. And so that's what we wanted to create to help promote um, early childhood education domestically and then internationally a percentage of proceeds goes towards um, funding education in developing countries. Amazing. And uh, as you alluded to, uh, parents, of course, love their kids, but they're not all able to be up on the latest research and science about how a zero to three-year-old learns what they should learn, how how to teach. Uh, You may be a loving parent, but you may be a bad teacher. So this will help you uh, with all the things that you don't really have time to research and practice and do yourself and can make a huge, huge difference. You know, parents pay a fortune for their kids to go to university and college. Why not, uh, you know, pay something to send them to early childhood education that will almost ensure they get into that university or college or at least uh, get that 90% of their brain formed properly uh, before they reach uh, kindergarten. Exactly. And you know what? For me, it doesn't. there's no distinction between if you're a stay-at-home parent or if you're a parent that sends your child to school. I don't really see the distinction there, but I do see the importance of parental involvement. I, I, I'm preaching that to any person I meet that, listen, this has to be a priority. And the number one thing I hear from parents, the number one thing is, well, I am just extremely extremely busy and so I respect that I'm not telling you that you're not busy because I know you are I see you I see you running from work to getting your child dinner to getting your child in bed and bath time and and cleaning and chores and it's just never ending and I fully 100% see that but also what needs to happen is that you just got to take out five minutes a day if not less to interact and engage with your child and that's what our activities are designed for all the activities can be done in about five minutes and if you just spend five minutes a day i mean it's all shipped to you you don't have to get anything and it's really easy to understand it breaks it down in really really user-friendly step one step two step three everything's prepped for you you just have to put it together and do it for five minutes and it can have absolutely life-changing effects. I mean, obviously, results are going to vary from child to child, but that engagement, that interaction, that is crucial for kids. And so that it really has become more of a mission than a product, a mission to inspire parents to get their kids off of the tablets, off of the TV. That's not how they should be learning. They need to be learning through engagement and interaction. Amen. And I would change the word mission for purpose. Napoleon Hill, of Napoleon Hill, 17 principles of success. The number one most important is having a definite purpose in life. And it sounds like you have found yours because I think you could talk about this probably all day and and never cover the same point twice and still be excited about it. And so you've you've obviously discovered your purpose and you're pursuing it with passion. And that is uh, that is enticing to anyone. So talking about owning a business and having your purpose, let's talk about owning and operating a, a franchise or a small business. I know a lot of people, uh, I've said it myself as well, uh, have said that when you uh, buy a franchise, you're actually buying yourself a job. But not necessarily so, because if it's a passion of yours, something you love, and and whether it's a franchise or a small business, I work a lot of hours. I work from home. I can work seven days a week, and I almost always do sometime every day. 
but I don't think of it as work. Actually, when I'm doing nothing, I'm often thinking of work, looking forward to getting to my computer to do more work. And so talk about that, because when you have that passion and that purpose, uh, the hours you put in, which most likely are going to be more than the 40 hours you'd put in at a job, are not tiring and they're not uh, boring. They're not anything. They're just a passion, right? So it's really funny that you mentioned that because I'm reading the four-hour work week finally um, just this week. And as I'm reading it, I mean, obviously a really great book, um, really good ideas that anyone can apply. But the entire premise of the book is, hey, this is how to work more efficiently and work essentially less. And as I was reading that, I just kept whispering, like a small little voice in my head was like, but I don't want to work less. I love working. And and that wasn't how it always used to be. Honestly, that wasn't. I used to, I hate Mondays. I was exactly in that position. It came down to what we were just talking about earlier, um, that the more I read about business and self-help and and literature and motivation and feeding myself all that positive, I just I became a different person and and I, I truly love what I do and when when people say franchising is buying yourself a job, in fact, um, I think uh, I can't I, I can't recall the exact statistic, but there are so many millionaires that are small business owners, but people think of millionaires only as like the large corporations, right? Like the Mark Zuckerbergs. And that's not true. There is a lot of wealth in small business. In fact, all of the richest people I know um, are small business and franchise owners, every single one of them. Now that could just be my exposure, but see the way, the way that I've noticed also is when you're starting a start, like, you know, my startup bubble brain box, the tech startup. Okay. Um, there's a lot of risk, okay? Small business is much more calculated. There is a lot less risk in franchising. It's a model that works. You trigger it, you expand it, you proceed forward. You know, so, I mean, you automate it, you grow. I mean, it is such a beautifully done model. And that's why I'm so blessed to be not only a franchisee, but because I'm a franchisee, it gave me the safety net to go off and start a riskier business as well. And I know it's going to take a lot more to trigger it, a lot more groundwork. But since I'm young, I don't have kids right now. I said, you know what, this is the best time to start something, to do a riskier venture anyway. Really, I wouldn't have been able to without the safety net of the franchise. Right, exactly. And, uh, um, for uh, people, uh, you should read if you haven't read it already, The Millionaire Next Door. Uh, and that book clearly gives you statistics and proof that what you said is so right. The millionaires are people who live in middle class neighborhoods in just a regular house. They never buy a 3000 or $10,000 watch. They drive cars that are five or more years old they own those cars and they're like a small business they're like plumbers contractors uh, mechanics uh, people you wouldn't necessarily associate with millionaires they're just ordinary great people great next door neighbors but not very many people would point them out in their old car and their $50 watch uh, and say oh and their house you know regular house say wow that guy's a millionaire because they don't show all the they don't show all the trappings of wealth, but they're just busy in their small business and loving it, and they don't need to show off their wealth to people. I actually say that all the time as well too. In fact, you're the third person has, that has suggested that book to me this week, so it's on my list. <laughs> right. You're exactly you're the third person this week that's told me I need to read that. 
So um, with me too, I actually, you know, um, I intend on trying to uh, pay off my house and car. I live in a one-story house, and I have the, my dream truck, and I never want a bigger house, and I never want a different car. I, I mean, eventually when my car breaks apart, I know I'll have to get another one, right. but I'm not doing this for the money. Uh, I, I don't care. In fact, I want my one of my goals, which is in accordance with how Islamically you're supposed to live too, is um, you're not supposed to be um, you know taking all these loans and interest and paying interest right. and things of that sort. It's supposed to be a very cash based lifestyle, and so that's one of my one of my goals. I'm not there yet, but I want to do everything on cash. I want to get to a certain point, and I could care less about designer bags and a big house and, right. and and like you know I just I just love my truck. I don't even I would never trade it and even. Wow. We talked about stereotypes earlier, and I'm trying to picture a female Muslim entrepreneur driving a truck. <laughs> and yes. a lot, not oh, a I lot of women that. have their ideal vehicle as a truck. So, man, you are just busting stereotypes all over. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm really sh- uh, not really. Well, we're actually the same height. So when I saw Tom too tall, I was like, "Well, I'm pretty. I'm 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 that exact size too." And so I uh, I like to say that. Um, yeah, I'm exactly five one as well. So I like to say that whatever I lack in height, I make up for in personality. And I can't think of anyone better than you to agree on that with me. Right. Before I was married, I used to say I was five foot two. But now I'm married, I can tell the truth. I'm five foot one. <laughs> Oh, well, you know what? There must be something special about people our size. Right. And my wife's four foot eleven, so I tower over her. Oh, there you go. <laughs> now let's talk about uh, establishing a Kids Are Kids franchise in China. China is not a country I think of so much as entrepreneurs and small business people, but from people I know, Chinese people I know, I hear it's getting more and more like that, more entrepreneurs, more small business people, more people uh, creating their own jobs and their own futures. Sure, um, I can talk about this, um, but I'm not actually a franchiser. My, my family is. So my oh, your family, is. that's fine, but so still, you're I, involved with I it. I help him. I'm like his right-hand man with all of this. So um, he is part of, uh, he's in a partnership agreement to be a franchiser in China, and I do a lot of help for that. So I haven't gotten the pleasure of going to China yet, but my, my part in the project is um, whenever potential franchisees um, are interested, they will come to my school. Um, I, I uh, operate one of the biggest kids or kids in the entire country. I put them through about a week's worth of training and um, basically welcome them into American life, show them what an American franchise is all about, make them feel comfortable, and more often than not, Almost everyone that I've had come over and visit has actually signed up for a franchise following their training. Um, the last one actually wanted to sign up for 20 schools right away, and we had to say, "Hey, slow down." So, um, it's it's been um, a really interesting experience. Kids are kids is growing vastly in China. It really is. It's it's got a really good reputation already in the schools that have opened up. So it's something that I'm very confident will spread like wildfire over there. Right. And it is is very early on. Um, in the in the stages, we're just now um, kind of getting our roots into the country. But it's it's uh, it's really fun to be on the sidelines of that and to see um, 
to see a different culture, interact with people from different cultures, support them, um, train them, and then give them support ongoing as they start up their schools as well, too. So I get a glimpse into that world, though I'm not 100% immersed in it. Right. It's nice to get glimpses into things. So, And uh, one thing I'm thinking of is if people think of a country that is where the parents are most devoted to the education of their children, it's China. Uh, a, a friend of mine who works for the Napoleon Hill Foundation, I get a lot of information about China from him, and he says in China, a, a child never even has to think twice or ask their parents if they're going to fund their university or college. It is assumed uh, so much, and everybody does it. You just, as a child, you always know that your parents are going to have the money to pay for your university or college. And if they're that interested in in the education at that stage of life, they will be just as interested in those first five years where they can get their uh, kids started off right. And because it's so competitive to get into universities and colleges in China, this will give them the ground work to ensure that they become one of those outstanding students. Exactly. Um, China and India both, I would say. Oh, have really? Very, very strong too, eh? Yeah, very strong um, education. And, you know, it's funny. Um, when my brother graduated, um, I remember sitting at his graduation um, and I, I remember all top 10 students in the class, graduating class, um, nine of them were from originally from Asia. So wow. that was really interesting to me, but it's not it's not surprising because uh, I don't know if you read Outliers, but then Malcolm Gladwell right. goes into the culture of the the amount of discipline that went into um, harvesting rice as a crop and how that has translated over into um, exceeding or surpassing in subjects such as mathematics. So that's not surprising to me, but at the same time, I, I very much respect the cultures of both India and China for the amount of discipline and hard work um, that their populations put in and prior how much they make education a priority. Right. I'm wondering if they need entrepreneurship training as well, because in China, I doubt any school teaches small business, entrepreneurship, uh, some of the things that we take for granted in North America. So it'll be interesting as you uh, keep on the sidelines but watching over this to see all the different things you find out about uh, kids are kids uh, franchises in China. It'll be uh, interesting. They seem to be very entrepreneurial in China. Um, oh, they wow. seem to have, they're very, very intelligent, extremely. Everyone I've met so far, I mean, again, you would never know they could be a billionaire. They walk in and you just think they're just right. regular, you know, just, I've had that situation with almost every franchisee I've met so far where they have more money than I could ever even imagine knowing what to do with. Right, right. And, but you would never tell. They're so humble. They're so so extremely intelligent, the people that I've met so far. And just like that, would, like I said, my followers from India for my social media accounts, um, for how great people think, oh my gosh, I'm just getting so many avid followers from India saying, you know, I want to start a business. That's my goal. That's my passion. And they are, they are, they've got the drive and they've got the, the passion for it more than any other race really that I'm coming across. I'm constantly hearing from the same race over and over again. So it's, it's intriguing to me, and I really think it's something that needs to be looked into more, is empowering these um, entrepreneurs in other countries. Amen. I love what you talked about, the humility of these uh, 
people who have all kinds of money. I have two coaching clients who are founders and CEOs of big companies, one in healthcare and one owns seven car dealerships in Pittsburgh. And when they asked me to coach them, I was thinking like, why can't you just coach me? Like they'll have more money than I'll ever have, make more money. And yet they're the ones who are most interested in becoming a better person, becoming a better leader, pursuing their purpose. And so that humility is uh, probably a good signal or a good sign for the rest of us that uh, if, you know, these people who have more money than they'll ever have are interested in learning more and getting coaches, maybe the people with less money should consider the same thing because uh, uh, that is a big clue uh, right there. So let's talk about uh, some of my favorite topics, online marketing, e-commerce, startup entrepreneurship. Um, uh, five years ago, maybe more, yeah, 2010, just before I attended the Napoleon Hill Foundation leader certification trip, I was not one bit interested in Facebook or social media. Uh, then I read a book, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Vaynerchuk, uh, Crush It. So I got a Facebook exactly. account. And now some of the best relationships I have are with people I never met. And we communicate, we talk, we message. And it is, I enjoy it so much. And uh, so Crush It had a question that uh, made me really think and made me take action it's like think is if there's a topic that you could write an article about every single day that you're so passionate about and get online and get that passion out to the world and as i said now my website attracts visits last month 138 countries uh they're not actually looking for me they're looking for napoleon hill because he's a global brand but when you can get that kind of online marketing and social media audience uh, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? It, it truly is. Um, for me, I actually set up my uh, How Great People Think account like seven months ago. Um, six, seven months ago, I also was very inspired by Gary Vaynerchuk, but I stumbled upon him after starting the account, not beforehand. Um, but when I started, I was I had no clue. I laugh now. I just I had no clue what I was doing. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to inspire people. I just wanted to put out some content, you know, and that's all I wanted. I and you know what? The main thing I wanted to do. I wa- oh, this is a good story, I guess. But the main thing I wanted to do was I wanted to transition into being a nonfiction writer because I realized I can't do it all. I can't be a. I can't want to be a fiction writer, and I can't want to just be a business owner and then kind of succeed in both. I was. I was. It was stretching me in different directions. So I started the At How Great People Think account because I really wanted to be a nonfiction writer eventually, and I wanted to be published in a self-help book or publish my own self-help book. And it's crazy because I met Brad through it, uh, or I met Brad within six months of that, and it will now be featured in a book. So the right. dream really did come true. And the, the better part of this whole story, the more amazing part of the story is it was actually through the secret, and I remember... Every single day, after watching The Secret, closing my eyes and imagining the moment, I would get a phone call and someone would say, hey, you've been accepted to be part of this book. Or you've been <laughs> to be and I would never have thought it would have been a Napoleon Hill-inspired book that wow. I would be a part of for my first one. So that was a very impactful moment for me to realize the power of social media can make your wildest dreams happen 
within six to seven months. And better than that, what I learned through social media is it's, you're not going to get sales back to back with social media. That's not the point of social media. The point of social media is the relationships that you right. have. When you build the relationships, then eventually the profit can come afterwards or the dream can come afterwards, but that's not the fundamental point of it. Right, right, right. Wow, this has been a fun interview. We could probably go on for another few hours. Uh, and uh, I'm a little bit remiss in this because I often get to this part of the show before I do it. But we haven't told them your website. We said the name of the company, but BumbleBrainBox.com. Bumble like a bumblebee, so B-U-M-B-L-E, BrainBox.com. And then if people just search how great people think, so H-O-W-G-R, the number eight, PPL Think. I googled it before and you're on a number of platforms there and uh, the website will be in the link for the radio interview, this interview. And so brain, uh, bumblebrainbox.com. If you're a parent of young children, please, please go there. Uh, this could be uh, one of the biggest opportunities for you to make an impact on your child's life and easy to do as well. So bumblebrainbox. Uh, dot com. Uh, thank you, uh, Sonia, so much for uh, joining me today. I'm excited to read your chapter and read the Millennials edition of Journeys to Success, and I'm sure it's going to become an international uh, number one bestseller. And thank you so much uh, for participating. And thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtootall.com for details.